We come today to our second installment in our series on 1 John, and today we're going to, of course, talk about the importance of love, continuing that theme we began at meditation. In this chapter, we or in this section of, of 1 John, we, we really get a powerful message about the love of God and the love that we're to show others. It's a passage that can be summarized in three important concepts that involve the word we. John uses all three of these simple statements, but they're good things for us to be reminded of because they reflect what the Christian experience should really be about. In verse 9 of chapter 4, he'll say, we live in Christ. As we continue in verse 13, he'll say, we know uh, who we are because of what God has done for us. And in verse 19, he'll talk about we love. We live, we know and we love. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to continue in our study together, and we start with these words from John. Dear friends, uh, starting in verse 7 of chapter 4, dear friends, let us love one another. Now, right from the beginning, this is a hard thing for us to do sometimes because not everyone is equally lovable, right? There are some people it's easy for us to love. Uh, grandkids, easy to love them, right? Not hard at all. Uh, people that are good to us, uh, easy to love them. Uh, I don't hide the fact that my neighbor Joyce, who attends here, frequently uh, blesses me with pies and, and, and baked goods, and, and it's easy for me to love Joyce, right? She's doing nice things for me all the time. But it's not so easy for us to love people who don't do kindnesses for us. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have people who actually seem to enjoy goading you or, or even making your life difficult for some reason. It's not so easy for us to love some people. Some people are less lovable than others. And so John's words are not easy words for all of us. Love one another. He doesn't really make conditions. He doesn't say here, love people who, who are easy to love. He says, love everybody. Now, that's important to John's message, and I say that, and he'll emphasize this more as we go along, because this is the same person who wrote those words that we all cherish in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? And when it says that, John understood that it wasn't just for the people who were good, it wasn't just for the people who were nice to God that he gave his son, it was for all people, everyone. So God had a love that was for everyone. And if we're going to follow in the footsteps of God, we have to figure out how is it that I can come to love everyone in the way that God did, even the people who didn't love him back. <clears throat> so John starts his words with those challenges to love one another. Now he emphasizes this, that the kind of love we have to have is a love like God's. For love comes from God, he says. Now, everyone who knows, excuse me, everyone who loves uh, has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. It's a powerful statement. God is the ultimate expression of love. So a question comes before John and before us, uh, well, what is the love of God like? 
how do we know if, if it says God is love, what is the depth of that love? What is the nature of that love? Help us understand that, because after all, love is kind of a complicated concept. And we have different feelings, right? Like, I love ice cream, and I love hot dogs, and I love my dog, but I also, well, I love my children, and I love my wife, and, and I love the Lord. And we don't all, I mean, that word gets used for a lot of things, right? And has different meanings. There are different kinds of love. So what kind of love is it that we, we're thinking of when we talk about the love of God? Well, this is what John wants you to know. God showed his love among us. This is how he did it. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We live. We really can live through him. One of the things that happens to us often is that until we die, right, we're all going to live, but the quality of that life is different for us. John's quality of life wasn't always the best. He spends part of his time exiled by himself on an island. Uh, his quality of life wasn't always great. But what we find amazing about John, because he writes and we read his journaling and his writing from his time in captivity in the island of Patmos, we read that when we read the book of Revelation. Here's what's amazing. John had joy. In fact, it opens with the words, I was in the spirit of the Lord in the Lord's day. John found peace and joy. He knew how to live no matter where he was. In any circumstance, he, he wasn't limited by a circumstance as to whether or not he was living his best life. He did that in the Lord. He says, we live. We can really live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that God has loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God has so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. It's an interesting phrase he uses, no one has ever seen God. That, that's a nuanced understanding uh, of the sense of seeing God. There are a few instances where God has appeared before man in one form or another. We think that in the story of Abraham, there's an appearance of God, so to speak, where uh, someone interacts with Abraham. Moses, of course, uh, is said to have gotten to see God passing by, see the back of God, so to speak, as he walked by. So what's John talking about when he says, well, no one has seen uh, God? Well, he's referencing a point that says, listen, the way people see God today is when they see your love for others, how you love people, that's how God intends for people to see him. When people see how that you love others, it's, a, it's meant to be a chance for people to see God in you. John's argument has been because God is love. And so when we love others, people get to see who God is and what God is about. So he says, love one another. And in him, love is made complete. Now we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. 
And we have seen and we have testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. And so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him. In this way, love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him, and there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I love this passage. So many good things in there about the love that God has for us, and the reality that because he's with us, we don't have to be afraid, and we don't have to feel powerless. We don't have to be overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. This is a pretty fascinating book I've been reading by Max Licato. It's called 316. It's a, it's a good book. The story you heard earlier is, is, is in this book, the story of Bill. There's a second story that I just want to read to you real quick. And it demonstrates, I think, this idea of how God loves us. It's a story of a father and a son, a different father and son. It's the story of Team Hoyt. Now, some of you know this story. If you do, please indulge me. But as we go forward, many in this place haven't ever heard the story of Team Hoyt. It's a father and son running team, Dick and Rick. They race. They race a lot. In fact, they have run 64 marathons, 206 triathlons, six triathlons at Ironman distance, 204 10K runs. Since 1975, they have crossed nearly 1,000 finish lines. They even crossed the entire United States of America. It took them 45 days to run and pedal 3,735 miles, but they did it. Team Hoyt loves races, but here's what you have to know about Team Hoyt. Only half of Team Hoyt can run. Dick, the dad, can, but Rick's legs don't work, nor does his speech. At his birth in 1962, the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. It starved oxygen from his brain, and it stole coordination in his body. Doctors gave no hope for his development. Dick and his wife, Judy, disagreed with the prognosis. Rick couldn't bathe, dress, or feed himself. But he could think, and they could tell that he was a bright child. So they enrolled him in public school. He eventually graduated. He entered college, and he graduated again. But Rick wanted to run. When he was 15 years old, he asked his dad, if they could enter a five-mile benefit race. 
His dad, Dick, was not a runner, but he was a father who loved his son. So he loaded his son into a three-wheeled wheelchair, and off they went. They haven't stopped running since. Young Rick Hoyt relies on his dad to do everything. His dad has to lift him, push him, pedal him, and tow him. Other than a willing heart, Rick makes absolutely no contribution to the effort of the runs. Rick depends entirely on the strength of his dad. I want you to understand something. God wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to rely entirely on his strength, trusting in his power and his will to carry us on the course of life. We've talked already about John 3.16. I'd like to take us back just a little bit to John, to 1 John 3.16 for a moment. It parallels the first passage and it helps set the stage for the end of our message today. It simply says this, this is how we know that we love, this is how we know that what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his greatness and presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and God knows everything. We love because he has first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, well, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And God has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. The greatest of these things, Paul would write, is love. God has demonstrated love to us over and over and over again, and he will continue to demonstrate his love to us because God is love, and he can do nothing else. But we, we don't always speak in love. And we don't always think in love. And we don't always walk in love. John gives those tests to the people because the Gnostics, the people we talked about last week, were, they were making it pretty hard for the Christians already. They were bending the truth. And a lot of Christians were really angry John is encouraging the, the people here to, of two things. One, first, here's how you know what the truth really is. 
Look at these essential things. They're what's true. God really is love. It matters. And second, even your enemies, you got to love them. It's powerful because John, well, John understood love in a way that a lot of people probably didn't. Remember, it was, it was to John that when Jesus was dying at the cross, it wasn't to his brothers, James, or it wasn't to others. It was to John. Jesus had said, John, here's your mother. He entrusted that to John. He, he understood what it was to be loved by Jesus. He understood what it was to have a close relationship with Jesus. In fact, John was the only one that went back, right? He loved, he loved uh, Jesus enough that he took the risk to be there. When John writes about love, I mean, he's, he's not writing as someone who runs away like Peter He's not someone who had fought against the church like Paul. He was someone who had been faithful the whole time. He had a real, abiding, genuine love for Jesus. And he had it because he knew that Jesus had a deep and abiding love for him. Here's the beauty, right? The love of Jesus didn't extend to people like John who loved him with their whole heart. It also extended to Peter who betrayed him and to Paul who had persecuted him. And that love extends to us. If you are living a faithful life, God bless you. You are loved by God. And if you've made a wreck of your life, God loves you. And today he invites you to draw near to him. And if you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus, I invite you to, to make this the day that you say yes to the love of God Yes, the love of Christ. And you allow your heavenly Father to begin to carry you like Dick Hoyt carries his son Rick and to help you along life's journey. The Bible says the way that we do that is that we repent of our sins, we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, and we are faithful in Christian baptism to, to bury an old life and rise to a new life in Christ. If you're ready for such a new life, I invite you to make the same decision by simply walking forward today and saying, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's a decision you have to make, I make, pray you'll make it as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation.